BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, are you truly addicted to your smartphone? They make the point in this uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal that people throw around the word addiction loosely, but few people are truly dependent on social media. Addiction itself is a spectrum disorder that can range from mild to severe, etc., etc. Even if we're not addicted, though, we're doing a hell of a lot of it. Here are five general signs that a bad habit might be developing in something more serious. Yes, I appreciate them throwing in that little disclaimer there because there is a big difference between an addiction and a bad habit or an addiction yeah. and something that you probably should quit. It's hard to quit, but you just don't really want to. Um, nobody's certain on where you draw that line and with what stuff, though. It's amazing to me still that that is such an open point of study. Mm-hmm. Are you addicted so, to back crappy food? Or are you addicted to you know whatever? Or you just do it? Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, I had to re-scroll as this thing uh, reset. Uh, here's one of the signs: you use social media compulsively. Uh, hard to leave your phone behind, yes. But what com- constitutes compulsive use? Um, it, they defined the neuropsychology review to find compulsive behavior as the feeling we have to do something repeatedly, even when we know we don't really have to. When the compulsion to scroll overrides our better judgment, causing us to do dangerous things like checking while driving or crossing a road, that's uh, time to pay attention. 
Um, and they suggest you try logging how often you check your feeds in a day. Just bring it out in the open. Make it from unconscious to conscious, and that's the best way to deal with it. Yeah, I know there's software somewhere that will tell me that. That might be a good number to look at every night. How many times did I check my phone or my watch every day? Now it's my watch, but they need to look at both ends of this, though. Both ends of it aren't looking at enough. There's push pack, push factors and pull factors. There's the pull of checking my phone to see what's the latest that happened in the Amber Heard trial. But there's also the push factor of we've all developed a thing where we can't have our brains unoccupied. It makes us feel really uncomfortable. Right, and that's the push factor to just go searching for something. I'm not. Li- I'm. I'm being pushed toward the information on my phone by. I'm standing in line waiting for my coffee here for thirty seconds, and it's just intolerable. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's the compulsion part of it, as opposed to just spacing out or looking at the people or thinking about something. Uh, you have to do it. Uh, I'll, another sign: your social media use is getting in the way of life. Uh, if your social media use is hurting your relationships, your work, your sleep, other aspects of your health, but you scroll anyway, it's time to take action. Uh, this uh, doctor recommends people who want to kick a habit, do what she calls a 24-hour dopamine fast by not touching any screen-related devices for a day. Okay, mm. and then pay attention to how you feel during the fast. Note your symptoms such as anxiousness, irritability, and intrusive thought. I woke up irritable, uh, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I use my phone less since I got an Apple Watch. That has helped. But it's really just because um, I can't search the Internet on my watch. So it, it took away the I need to carry my phone into the grocery store in case Joe texts me or something like that. You know, the excuse mm-hmm. I use for why I have my phone with me, then I'm in line wasting time on my phone. Now I have my watch with me all the time, so if there is a text that I need to return, I will get it. But I don't have my phone with me, and I've found that has helped me. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I have no idea how Apple Watches work. I haven't gotten one yet. But um, So you don't have to have your phone anywhere near you. It's just like an, it's another phone, in essence. It's its own number and its own cell phone plan. Interesting. Yeah, so huh. I, don't, I don't even need to own a uh, a, a phone anymore. I I would say a different different search for different people. I consider the Apple Watch right behind the iPhone is one of my favorite things ever. I I use hmm. it constantly all day long. It's one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Hmm. Uh, another sign you may have an addiction. You need social media to feel satisfied. Uh, as with any type of substance or behavior dependence, social media overuse can lead to increased tolerance to its pleasurable effects, which requires you to seek out more to feel good. All right, that one's interesting. Uh, another sign you're convinced you, you've convinced yourself that you have an audience you need to serve. I with your social media. Well, we we literally do have an audience to serve. That's our job. <laughs> but um, I don't I don't have that at all. I, I, thank God, I guess. I or maybe it's my personality. I don't know. But I don't have that at all. I don't have friends and family that I feel like I need to serve through social media posts. I've never had that impulse. I know I know people that do because I hear them talking about it, updating mm-hmm. the world on their kid's birthday or their vacation or their wedding or whatever event just happened so that everybody can see the pictures. I just it's probably my personality. I don't want you all to see my pictures. 
Another sign, you suffer from withdrawal symptoms when you're not on social media. If you experience anxiety, irritability, insomnia, depression, and strong cravings for social media when you're not using it, that's an indication of an addiction. How about a taste for human flesh? Is that one of the signs? Mm, that's a sign of something. Uh, the Do you have any of that, the yes. need to post your life? You have an no. audience you're serving? No. No. I, I hardly post anything, honestly. I, I used to post more than I did on Twitter. Um, I just, I, I like Twitter in theory. I think it has w- amazing potential and it does some things very well, but I just always end up agitated and angry anytime I spend any significant amount of time on Twitter. Some of my favorite journalist type people have abandoned Twitter because of what you just said. They just feel like their life is better not being involved. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's probably true. Although again, you know, we have weird professional pressures that are different than normal people. It's just try to figure out what's going uh, but, on in the world all the time. But like I have friends who one of the first things they do every day is to check the Facebook feed and they see, you know, like one of the things that happens on Facebook is this day in. And so you'll get a bunch of pictures from you know, back when you're in college or that old job or whatever. And then they throw those around. And I mean, that's like, that's like part of how you start your day. And I know a mm-hmm. lot of people listening right now. It's probably true. I don't do that and don't feel the desire for it, but it clearly is something a lot of people enjoy. Yeah, it, it is. And there are, you know, I can't remember. It's like Google Picks or something. Somebody zaps me uh, all of a sudden on my smartphone is uh, today's date four years ago when uh, Delaney and Judy and I went to a Giants game. And that's cool. And it's fun. And I'm glad I saw that. On the other hand, it's all depending on the company designed to enrich Mark Zuckerberg or or the Google <laughs> Corporation. I know they are doing a nice thing for the, the utterly wrong reasons. They, they aren't don't appreciate doing it. being manipulated. That's that's a very good point. They're not doing it just because they thought it would be just fantastic if you saw that picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. In a weird way, it reminds me of uh, we were talking about inflation earlier because it's just and it's getting worse, folks. Um I can afford certain things, but I just find it offensive to pay that much. I didn't. I don't want to be stolen from. Thank you very much. So no, I'll I'll take my dwindling wealth and go elsewhere, or just go home. And in the same way, I just I don't want to be Mark Zuckerberg's victim. <laughs> it's a pride thing. F you. Thanks for the picture of my daughter, but uh, no. Go away. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. 
BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, The Attorney General of Michigan has called for a drag queen for every school during a Wednesday conference in which attendees looked at discrimination through a systemic lens. Drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun, she said at the Michigan Civil Rights Summit uh, in audio obtained by the Detroit News. Uh, The summit hosted by the Michigan Department of Civil Rights featured several top Michigan state officials, etc., Drag queens are entertainment. As you know, I'll say that's totally not poll-tested, but I'd say this. A drag queen for every school, said the Attorney General of Michigan. You know, it occurs to me, Michael, this could have been a tsunami of wokeness, because they have several uh, stories under that rubric. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know how easy that is to come up with. Uh, Nessel, a former criminal defense attorney, first openly LGBTQ plus minus equal sign, um, elected to statewide office in Michigan. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, let's see. How easy? Where is that? Uh, where's the Biden? Uh, get, give me clip number 20. Can we do that? I'm also proud to have signed an executive order on my first day in office to combat discrimination against LGBTQLI, excuse me, plus Americans. All right. <laughs> All right. Fine. Uh, so this uh, this uh, attorney general lady who's calling for a drag queen in every school is the same woman who had to be taken out of a Michigan, Michigan state football uh, game on a wheelchair in a wheelchair because she was so wasted. Oh, really? Yeah. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> I've never been pushed around in a wheelchair drunk. I don't think. Mm. No, no. And she actually, she told a story, I hate to admit this, because I think she's a George Soros-funded dangerous crackpot, but uh, as she tells the story, her friends told me that, my friends told me, it would probably not be good to puke on your constituents, so we got to get you out of here. Wow, partying. Do we have the tsunami of wokeness uh, thing? You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. There's a tsunami of wokeness. Everything woke. There's a tsunami of wokeness. (laughs) I really, I love that so much. (laughs) So uh, there's a a story getting a lot of attention out of the San Francisco Bay Area. The CEO of the crypto company Kraken, uh, Jesse Powell, um, said in a Twitter thread the other day that de- debate over diversity, equity, and inclusion issues from a few employees had become a distraction from the company's goals. He accused activist employees of being myopic, saying, you want to be inclusive by asking an English-as-a-second-language Saudi candidate his pronouns and gender in a job interview? S- stop it. Great talent, bad fit. He uh, characterized a small group of employees who were not sufficiently focused on the company's goals, who he later characterized as woke. When things were rosy, everybody got along. When things started to look grim, sensitivities and misalignment came through. People focused on minor slights, first world problems, rather than a really big, important mission to help billions of people. Uh, People get triggered by everything and can't conform to basic rules of honest debate. Back to dictatorship. 
In other words, you people are so permanently angry and you think you have the right to silence everybody. Stop it. If you don't want to work here, quit. Go somewhere else. Um, He said, we understand that while we will always be a great place to work for some who share our mission, we may not be the most compatible company for others. Um, And where's the the, the quote? Uh, The guy's quite the libertarian type. Free markets, free ideas. Uh, That's why he's so into Bitcoin. Um, And he essentially said, uh, oh, he asked, if you can identify as a sex, can you identify as a race or ethnicity? In a probing discussion with the snowflakes, uh, he said he values diversity of thought. Uh, Those who disagreed could quit. Um, The uh, Kraken executive uh, wrote in a Slack post that the CEO, the company, and the culture are not going to change in a meaningful way. If someone strongly dislikes or hates working here or thinks those here are hateful or have poor character, work somewhere that doesn't disgust you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good tip for everyone. Work somewhere that doesn't disgust you. Yeah. yeah. And if if you can't find a place that doesn't disgust you, then you might have to change your... uh how disgusted you are. Oh, right, exactly. And uh, I say, go, go, Jesse Powell. And I know he and I would disagree on certain things, but that's exactly the point. I would like to hear his ideas and think, hmm, maybe he has a point. And I'll bet he would like to hear mine. And neither one of us would screech that we're being wounded by his scary, scary speech. It's a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. That's right. That's right, Sam. That's right. That's, uh, let, we, can, we don't need to do the whole thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> and finally, this, which flew under the radar, folks, and this is big. The Biden administration's Department of Agriculture, which has plenty to worry about. How about the baby formula, for instance? The USDA announced it will expand its definition of sex discrimination to include sexual orientation and gender identity. That means now that anyone who helps distribute food aid in any way must deploy the far-left transgender policies, like allowing men into girls' bathrooms, etc., or they risk losing federal aid. And that includes every school in America. This is a massive move that's been ignored. Hmm. Interesting. I'm still surprised that there hasn't been more pushback from women about the bathrooms going all gender. Because all of us, our whole lives, anywhere you went, there were two bathrooms, a men's and a women's, most of the time. And the men's was disgusting, and the women's was clean most of the time. Now they're all disgusting because men go in all of them. And I'm just surprised women were on board with that. It certainly hasn't been a good thing for you that if there are two bathrooms at the Starbucks, they're now for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one quote from uh, Pete Ricketts, who wrote a piece about this uh, very quiet yet powerful move. No agency is more responsible for ensuring the food security for American families than the USDA. In fact, one in four Americans are directly touched by the food aid provided by the agency. 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. The, oh, they help mothers feed their babies, schools feed their children, communities feed their vulnerable. Under the Biden administration, all of that is under threat. It's nothing short of food security blackmail. It's appalling that the Biden administration would put the nutrition of our children at risk. Our schools should not have to choose between continuing the school lunch program and protecting the girls from being exposed to biological boys in their bathrooms or as a competition in girls' sports. Ah, yes, that's right. The Biden administration's policy is at this point, biological males get to compete against girls in sports if they say they're a girl. So if you're high school in name sane part of America, virtually all of it, except for the craziest parts, uh, says, no, we're not going to have our girls lose every single track meet to biological males. You don't get USDA aid anymore. According to this policy move, he writes, why is the USDA of all agencies jumping into highly divisive policymaking? What does transgender policy have to do with a school, a food bank, a farmer's market or a grocery store's ability to feed needy individuals? Has anyone heard of a single child denied food at their school because they're transgender? A school's funding for food aid should not be contingent on promoting a political agenda. And again, nobody is talking about this. That, that's a good point. Is any transgender kid being denied food under the current way we do things? No, of so, course not. And how does food factor into that boy whooping up on all the girls in the pool or on the track, which is an aberration anyway? But now it's going to be enforced somehow by the USDA. Uh, somehow it's a tsunami of wokeness, folks. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I would love particularly for Cal Unicornians, to read the entire New York Times article entitled How California's Bullet Train Went Off the Rails that many, many folks have sent us links to. We've seen it. Thank you. It is so good and so well-written from the infamously biased New York Times. It, It makes me remember when journalists held their principles above their party. 
America's first experiment with high-speed rail has become a multi-billion dollar nightmare. Political compromises created a project so expensive that almost no one knows how it can be built as originally envisioned. Construction of the high-speed rail system is costing just under $2 million a day, et cetera, et cetera. $2 million a day. Wow. Which is not nearly enough, but we'll get to that. Ah, uh, building the nation's first bullet train, which would connect L.A. and San Francisco and zoom back and forth in two hours and 40 minutes or so. It hasn't been that in so long. The first part of this article is pointing out that the design for the nation's most ambitious infrastructure project was never based on the easiest or most direct route. Instead, the train's path out of Los Angeles was diverted across the second mountain range to the rapidly growing suburbs of the Mojave Desert, a route whose most salient advantage appears to be that it ran through the district of a powerful L.A. County supervisor. Oh, boy. And they go into how that detour which was sold to the various boards in charge. Well, a lot of riders out there. It'll increase ridership. It cost billions of extra dollars and was mostly just a political uh, horse trading deal. Uh, and, and again, we'll have a link at armstrongandgetty.com so you can read the whole thing. I'm just going to touch on some highlights. Um the pros and cons of these routing choices, and they mentioned a couple more, have been debated for years. Only now, though, is it becoming apparently apparent how costly the political choices have been. Collectively, they turned a project that might have been built more quickly and cheaply into a behemoth so expensive that without a major new source of funding, there is little chance it can ever reach its original goal of connecting California's two biggest metro areas in two hours and 40 minutes. I need to quote a tweet that I saw. I could have said this myself, but I didn't. Quote away. There are 334 million Americans, and 333,990,000 of us knew that. <laughs> the other 10,000 run everything. Wow. Yes, we are. So, you know, most people in the country probably haven't been paying attention to this all, but we've been saying this since day one, more or less. It'll yeah. never be built. You're never riding this train. It's not a high, it hasn't been a high speed train for a very long time. The Radio Ranch, if you're not familiar with this, where the show originates from, is a 10-minute drive from the capital of Cal Unicornia. Ten minutes. We've met Gavin Newsom. We used to hang out with Arnold Schwarzenegger all the time. Well, a couple times. Um, and so our howlings are well known in the capital. And people yes. like us. And, 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 and editorialists and the rest of it. This righteous howling of anger over this project has been going on practically since its inception and they have nor- ignored it i've called it the greatest theft of taxpayer money in the history of of the country probably it may well be probably All right, so this is this is tragic comic right now again from the new york times god bless them <clears throat> when california voters first approved a bond issue for the project in 2008 stupid stupid voters the rail line <laughs> was to be completed by two years ago, wow. as we speak, really enjoying by 2020. The, really enjoying the riding the high-speed rail back and forth. I probably still would have flown southwest, but anyway. And the cost was seemed astronomical at the time, $33 billion. So finished in 2020 for $33 billion. But it was considered worthwhile, blah, 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 carbon emissions, endless web of freeways, blah, blah, blah. Fourteen years later, construction is now underway on part of a 171-mile starter line connecting a few medium-sized cities in the middle of California that from Fresno to Modesto or whatever it is, a starter line 
They've promised it'll be done in 2030. That's just the tiny middle part. So not the entire thing in 2020, the tiny middle part for 2030, but few expect that to be a realistic goal. They don't think they can do it. Meanwhile, the costs. When the California High-Speed Rail Authority issued its new 2022 draft business plan in February, it estimated an ultimate cost as high as not $33 billion, but $105 billion. But only weeks later, the final plan came out, and it was $113 billion. And I've said a hundred times, if they ever finish this thing, it will be well over $200 billion. And I think that's probably conservative at this point. And the rail authority itself has said it's accelerated the pace of construction on the starter system, but at the current spending rate of $1.8 million a day, according to projections widely used by engineers and project managers, the train could not be completed in this century. Not what? In this century for $300 billion. And and the other so part... So we'll have the technology of the 19th century transporting Californians across the state in the 22nd century? century? Yes. Yeah. If it ever happens. Although, you know, and here's why I get my comeuppance. The idea that the taxpayers in the next three, four or five generations of taxpayers would continue to allow themselves to be bilked, that's beyond even my cynicism to imagine. So the other part of this article that's great and devastating is they go back to all of the chairmen of the project and talk to them, or almost all of them. That's great. Yeah. Said Michael Tenenbaum, a former Wall Street investment banker, was the first chairman 20 years ago. I was totally naive when I took the job. I spent my time and didn't succeed. I realized the system didn't work. I just wasn't smart enough. I don't know how they could build it now. Dan Richard, longest-serving rail chairman, said the plan was a strategic mistake. An initial line between L.A. and San Diego would have made more sense. Start there. Quentin Kopp, another former rail chairman who served uh, as state senator and superior court judge, said the system would be running today, but for the many bad political decisions that have made it almost impossible to build, I don't think it's an existing project. It's a loser, he says. I, I remember when NPR did some great reporting on this just a couple of weeks ago where they were interviewing people in the in the area's you know, the nonsensical areas where they're actually, in theory, building the track. Mm-hmm. And billions and billions of dollars have been thrown into these not very highly populated towns and counties. And they couldn't find anybody who said, I know somebody, I've gotten any money. I know somebody who's gotten any money. They couldn't come across anybody that's benefited wow. from all that money being spent. So it's a pretty narrow group of people receiving this money, I guess. Oh, clearly, clearly. And it's the politically connected. But... um a couple more things. We got a minute. Yeah, I mean, this is just so good, the reporting, and it's so in-depth. The state was warned repeatedly its plans were too complex. SNCF, the French National Railroad, was among bullet train operators from Europe and Japan that came to California in the early 2000s with hopes of getting the contract to help developing this, to develop the system. The company's recommendations for a direct route out of L.A. and a focus on moving people between L.A. and San Francisco were cast aside said Dan McNamara, a career project manager for that company. The company pulled out a couple of years later. There were so many things they that went wrong. SNCF was very angry. They told the state they were leaving for North Africa, which was less politically dysfunctional. North Africa 
is less politically dysfunctional than California. They went to Morocco and helped them build a rail system. Morocco's bullet train started service in 2018. I'm sure there are uh, a, a number of people who actually believed, who were involved in the project and actually believed they were going to build high-speed rail, the first really workable high-speed rail in America. We are going to be like France or Japan or whatever and, and uh, show it off in California. But I'd like to know how many people knew from the get-go this is never going to happen. So so the, the, what this is all about is the money is going to get spent. Let's make sure it gets spent on people that are friendly to us. I'd like right. to know how many people had that mindset because they were correct. Yeah, I, I um. When those billions of dollars get spent on these projects, they go to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Many somebodies. Well, and they they go into a bunch of uh, like subsections on various routes that were instead of the most efficient and good for the system, constantly were used as rewards to politicians. I mean, Interstate 5, West Coasters are more than familiar with I-5. It runs up and down the coast, much as I-95 does in the east. Um, and they could have laid the tracks right along I-5. But no, the people in the other side of the Central Valley, the more populated parts, said, no, 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 we wanted to run through our town. And so they said, yeah, all right, it's going to be way more expensive and complicated. I mean, buying the land is undoable in California. Never mind building the freaking thing. And so they're trying to go through, like, rich agricultural land and more populated. It's just, it's insane. Every aspect of it is crazy. Getting back to your question, Jack, I'm not sure if people actually knew there's no way that this could possibly be built. But whether they are naive or greedy greedy or politically, uh, you know, dirty or whatever, they just made decision after decision after decision. That rendered it impossible to build. Well, the, one of the reasons we were so down on it early on, remember when, this is after the voters approved it, remember when the information came out that their estimates for how many people would ride it and all these different oh, things right. were based on just the most fantastical numbers you could imagine. They were coming up with estimates of numbers of riders and what the price of gas would be and all kinds of these different things that were just never going to occur. Right, right. The original numbers were utter fantasy it's been fraud from the beginning because if you live in other parts of the country and, and don't know this you can fly back and forth between san francisco and la actually if you're if you book your flying ahead of time on southwest it can be like 80 bucks each direction mm-hmm. um and there are flights every hour all day every day well, too much carbon emission there jack we need the bullet train so it would have to be something that's better than that alternative Mm-hmm. significantly better for people to want to ride the train that would be slower. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, it is. How much it, carbon is being churned out uh, by the construction in the middle of the state right now? There's a question for you. One of the great thefts of taxpayers in history. It is absolutely amazing. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. What a personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The times change, Jack, don't they? That's a good one right there. <laughs> times change, Jack, don't they? Um, uh, times do change. This is, uh, this is a, a major change in attitudes in the United States we can discuss. On the question of are we the world's greatest country, a new poll out. This sort of thing is always exciting to see how hmm. opinion is moving. New York Times, Siena College, national poll. Uh, whether or not you agree with the statement that America is the greatest country in the world. A majority of Democrats say they believe America is not the best country in the world is the headline out of this, but we'll get into some of the details. I wish they would have asked the question, if not us, who? Because that's a pretty interesting question. Right. Yeah. Who, who are you holding out there as the greatest country in the world? Um. of Democrats endorsed the statement that America is a great country, but not the greatest. Another 7% said the U.S. is not a great country, with the remainder having no opinion. I'm pleased to hear that it was only 7% who went for that answer. Yeah, by comparison, 70% of Republicans said USA was the greatest country. That would be my, that's the box I would check. Another 24%, it's great, but not the greatest. Only 5% of GOP said America is not a great country, with the remaining 2% having no opinion. Um, it's about half and half for independence of greatest versus great, but not the greatest. Okay. All right. Independence. We can work together. Who's the greatest then though? Who's a greater? That's a, to me, a silly question. Clearly, obviously, without a doubt, United States is the greatest country. What measure are you using that we're not the greatest country? You know, I, I agree. I'm just feeling magnanimous today, and I don't know why. There's something wrong with me. But, um, yeah, I think if you sat people down and said, okay, you know, I, I understand there are problems with this country, and, and you're not ready to say we're the greatest automatically. So who do you think is? You'd get a lot of, well, I, you know, I just think we need to, um, well, yeah, I guess we are the greatest. We just have a lot of work to do, and I absolutely agree with that. Well, sure, but if you're making some sort of comparison with a fanciful, has-never-existed nation, that's stupid. <laughs> right, don't compare me to the Lord Almighty comparing me to my uh, opponent. Paraphrasing Joe Biden, as Joe, as Joe often does. Uh, yeah, I just, I, again, I'm feeling magnanimous and understanding, and I'm, I'm reaching across I'm not. I am not feeling magnanimous. You are, are all wrong, and you're just uh, whiny. And uh, move to, to here. I'll buy you a plane ticket. Leave the country. Kick them. Kick them. 
Veteran pollsters said there used to be bipartisan consensus that America was a unique, special, exceptional nation and was the greatest nation on Earth. used to be uh, overwhelming majorities of everybody agreed with that. And that has disappeared for one party. Uh, Republicans do believe in American exceptionalism. The Democrats do not accept American exceptionalism. Wow, that is... That is powerful. That is, it's not surprising to me, but it is shocking, if you know what I mean. That after all of these years, all of this effort, all of this history, all of this improvement, my gosh, the progress this country has made in so many important ways, there is a political party that is, if not America haters, something like it. Well, and again, if we're not the greatest, then who is? Exactly. Who are you going to hold up? Well, there's something very adolescent tantrumy right, about exactly. the whole thing. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. I That's... hate this family. <laughs> I hate this country. Okay. You're the all meanest right. dad in the world. We work like crazy on it every single day and have for a couple of centuries. Uh, feel free to pitch in. Where do you like better? I just hate this country. You child. Um, and maybe this is more important. As for governing, more Dems had a favorable view of socialism, 53%, than capitalism, Oy! 50, uh, 44%. So socialism Holy cow. beat out capitalism, 53 to 44. It's funny, we had a, a discussion about capitalism and socialism in my house just last night. How did that come up? Why was that? How did that come up? Oh, I know what it was. So my son, my oldest son, offered to sell his brother his bicycle. Wow. Uh, and I said, you know, I paid for that bicycle, so I'm not really cool with you <laughs> selling the bicycle to someone else for profit. And he said, capitalism. I'm just <laughs> trying to make a profit. No, that's more like socialism. <laughs> Big we, daddy government gave you that bike. But we got into that. We got into that uh, conversation. By comparison, uh, two-thirds of Republicans had a favorable view of capitalism, while 86% of them opposed socialism. Still not as high as it ought to be, really. It's not even nearly as high. And the Democrat number is just absolutely shocking. (sighs) I think it's a gesture. I think it's similar to the, we're not the greatest country, and capitalism isn't the greatest. You think? I think. I hope. You know, let me, uh, uh, again, I'm feeling magnanimous. I think I may have come down with something. (laughs) Um I would say to my, uh, the percentage of Democrats that, that are down with the free market and, and love this country, uh, think it's the greatest on earth, which was, uh, I, it was 43% prefer capitalism. Is that right? And that. what percent said we're the greatest country again? So, uh, 53 to 44 on socialism and capitalism, 53 to 44, and then back on the, uh, 55% of Democrats said we're a great country, but not the greatest. Yeah. So that roughly 40% or so of Democrats who have enough sanity to understand that this is an incredible country. This has been the beacon of liberty for the world, imperfect, but constantly working at it. We absolutely can work together. I'd, you might want to consider, I don't know, like co- coming over to the Republican Party and trying to moderate it or something, because your woke brethren have way, way, way less in common with you than a guy like me. 
I mean, we can disagree about policy, and we can split the loaf. I mean, we can, okay, you want a little more of that. I, I'd prefer a little less of that, but as long as we can reform this, let's work together. We can do this. The crazy-ass woke crowd with their little boys need to be informed every single day at school that they could be a little girl if they get their genitals mutilated or take hormones or whatever. That crowd's got nothing in common with you, friends. You have got to align with us the sane. Yeah, we're conservative, but we're sane. You've got to align with us against the lunatics. Armstrong and Getty. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.